0: Well, folks, welcome to a synthetic Friday here, right? Markets are closed tomorrow, but we still got a jobs number. That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, A lot to cover today. A lot of warnings here. Not good. Kind of different sectors, too. Dragging the market down. We'll talk about that. Defense, defense, defense. Gold and bonds in the TLT. What's the market trying to tell us here during this consolidation period? We'll chat with Raggy Horner at 8:35, get her view on the markets. It's Thursday, but really Friday. Pre-market prep. Let's go.
1: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit. This is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis did. I've been a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day.
0: All right, good morning, traders, investors. Let's get started on this Thursday. SP futures up three and a quarter at 41.2050. We have the dollar just flat here at 101.58. The bonds we've talked about this 134 level, and here we are. Breakout or fakeout? Crude continues its move in the eighty-dollar handle, up thirty-four cents, eighty ninety-five. Gold down just about a buck, twenty thirty-four eighty. Silver remaining in the twenty-five-dollar handle, up almost six cents at twenty-five oh nine. And Bitcoin, quiet here at twenty-eight thousand and twenty-five. Triple D, we got we got some warnings out there, some big warnings. We got yeah. tech kind of taking a little bit of breather, but we got stocks picking up the rear again. Another bout of wicked rotation. Let's discuss it here this morning.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely yesterday too. Same thing. Wicked rotation is what we continue to see when you've got certain stocks going down and tech had a bad day, especially the smaller tech stocks had a really bad day. But again, they didn't come out of stocks. They just rotated into the value trade yesterday. So they were going defense. Procter Gamble having a good day. Johnson Johnson holding up very well, obviously, after its big move. Um, you had all those oil stocks that were really beat up the refiners. Valero, MPC, basically got back all of their losses. So they were down 7-8%. And then they just turned around crazy as candles. They turned around and bottom right back and go up 7-8%. Incredible moves there, too. So clear rotation happening out of tech in the value yesterday. Not sure if it continues, but that's what the trade was yesterday.
0: Yeah, banks, banks. They they kept going down. They got a little bounce at the end. You got to be concerned about uh this Schwab here I mean this thing under 50 bucks now step down sellers over the last five six sessions I mean what does someone there's something uh someone knows something out there that we don't I mean this thing just continues to leak but uh Mitch we got a lot of major warnings out there today and Mm -hmm. uh let's start with um LITE
1: all right let's go to that uh Lumentum here cutting the q3 revenue guidance range from 430 million to 460 million that was the range that was prior given now to 380 million to a high end of 384 million so you can see very big cut there from even the low end of that 430 to now 384 on the high end uh, major customer rejected all shipments um that's what was stated at first and it looks like after we found out that it was Sienna that was the rejection here it looks like a major customer but it looks like also they went after multiple companies here as they didn't know at first exactly who that major customer was so tell us a little bit about what you saw in the after hours while you were looking at this, Dennis.
2: Well, it was such an interesting trade, and you can say, "Oh, who cares about Lumentum?" But the problem is, all of the major customers are all the big tech companies. There's a lot of huge major companies that buy product from Lite, including Apple. So, but it was a network company, so you're like, "Okay, well, it's not Apple." So then they just started hammering all the network stocks, but they picked on Sienna right away. It kind of jumped out like a sore thumb, and later on, it was mentioned that it actually was <laughs> Sienna. So CIEN is trading down 5.38%. So if you want to go to Alta ITE first, it's down 13% of the warning. They're blaming Sienna. So Sienna is trading down, obviously, because, you know, they're not taking shipments. So demand must be worse is what the market is reading into it. Cisco mm-hmm. trading down here. All your network stocks are trading down. Cisco, CSCO, ANET is Arista Networks. It's trading down on it. Juniper is trading down on it last night. I saw FFIV offered down. wasn't really trading down much, but was offered down on it. And I think Apple's trading down on it too. So again, Apple, not the network stock, not the company they're blaming, but Apple's a major customer of LITE and the market's still reading in, well, if LITE's got some issues happening here, you know, maybe it, you know, trickle or maybe it's coming from higher, higher above. So Apple's down a buck here this morning. I think that's what you can blame is Lumentum, L-I-T-E. Oh,
0: boy. Oh, boy. I mean, you know, you look at some pre-market charts and after-hour charts. And, you had like, remember Square a couple of weeks ago? I mean, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a short report. You were coming in to support. It was, like, not the low of the move. Yeah, And now you got <clears> this one. And you know what? No, I mean, you got a mild buyer here at 44. Now, I don't know how big they are and how long they're going to be there for. But if you're not much of a bounce, but if you're looking at the monthlies here, then you want to like maybe pick up. The, if you're buying at 44, you better be prepared for a test of 40. If you want to be a little bit more patient, I know that would be down 11 bucks. There's going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be some rip roaring rallies here. But if the bulls can't defend this forty-four, I just see forty on the monthlies. It was uh, the low two months in a row, and then you dip back. We're going back to late two thousand eighteen, and also mid two thousand nineteen. So I don't know. People are there's not that aggressiveness in it, and um, so other suppliers to the internet, Dennis. When you talk to some of the big companies, you see what mm. Fastly did yesterday. You kind of feel like some people maybe you know they're they're the network, right? They're supposedly Gr- the growthy
2: tech. Um, was really hit. hit across the board. Mm-hmm. And there was some major stocks getting hit. Um, especially the the nosebleed valuation ones, the Kathy type stocks and the ARKK, which looks like it's completely failed now at 40. Um, just like that. I mean, we're you know, everybody's talking rah, rah, bull, bull, and just like that. It's a really ugly couple of days for the market because the stuff that's holding the S P up, the stuff that's holding the SPY up is the stuff you would expect it to hold up during a recession. We really jumped into the drug names. You know, Pfizer, starting to pick it up a little bit. I'm still on Pfizer, but Johnson & Johnson with their news, their talk news, that did not sell off at all and continue to rally. So we were right with that call. I was saying when FedEx was up 3%, Johnson & Johnson was up 3%. I'd rather own J&J than FedEx. FedEx actually gave it back, a lot of it. J&J continued to rally, so we were correct on that. FedEx is rallying this morning because it caught an upgrade, but that's a side note. Um, but just taking it back here to tech, I mean, you had some serious selling pressure here in tech yesterday. Now, again, the big dog's holding up fairly well. I mean, Microsoft was down a couple bucks. I know you had a sure position on in there, Mitch. Not sure if you covered it. But Apple is holding up pretty well. We haven't had a warning from any of the major do- major companies here yet. So is that coming? It's hard to say. LITE isn't a good sign, but then LITE might just be a one-off. Maybe it's just this one customer like they were blaming this one customer. And maybe it's not a sign of a slowdown. But the market isn't taking any chance because they're hitting all the customers of LITE.
1: All right. Just to give – I am out of that AMD position. Was able to close it yesterday. Nice little gain on that AMD What about the Microsoft? I do still have a tiny piece of Microsoft. Yes, that was what I opened up yesterday. It was a nice little pattern on the 15-minute – was able to hammer down Mm -hmm. on that and still have a little peace now. Um, I think with these trades, you know, and and there's a big reason why I took majority of it off yesterday is that I always feel like in this market, you got to take that money and run. And if you want to give yourself a little bit of running, yeah, that's fine, you know, but uh, if we can get the first swing down, I've been taking that profit. And so it seems like we got the first kind of breakdown, on these bigger charts now I'm watching stocks like Apple of course because it was the strongest one I feel like out of all the big boys it was up there to 166 even after it just broke from like 160. now it's pulled back to the 9 EMA I think we could find a little bit of a bounce in Tech today I don't think it's just going to be one straight turnaround down so I'd I'd ask you Dennis do you think there would be some buy the Dippers coming in
2: yeah I think they do the one thing is just we've run so far, so at what level? And, you know, I, I've, they, what you want to see if you're a tech bull is you want to see them shrug off this LITE news. Because okay. sometimes you'll see LITE with Apple being a major customer as well. If it was just a flat-out LITE warning, I would think Apple would be down a lot more. Because they blamed Sienna, a specific company, for it, the market is kind of taking in its stride. They're hitting Apple a little bit here. But uh, other things being equal, when you see, you know, one of the ma- Apple major suppliers warning, you automatically assume, uh uh-oh, here comes the slowdown. They're not buying parts. What's going on? Um, But that maybe is not the case because they've just blamed the one company. But what you've got to see is they buy Apple back today. That's what you need to see if you're in the bull camp. You don't want to see the follow-through here. It's a very important day. For the market here and we're still in the calm before the earnings storm as well we don't know jobs
0: number tomorrow man i think and you that's guys crazy are, too uh, on yeah the that's absolutely crazy yeah that, that we got i hate that.
2: that because i like trading those jobs numbers and i hate that the equities are going to be closed on that but but we had multiple warnings yesterday it wasn't just lite right either. costco different and sectors. costco was a flat out miss their march sales came out and flat out missed and e-commerce was down over twelve percent the sales of e-commerce. Now Costco isn't a big e-commerce company, but they yeah, still sell that's, stuff online. I bought thing stuff that, online from Costco before. That's one What
0: was how bad was the warning, Mitch? Where, yeah, what, let's, not, the warning, not a warning. What? They
2: gave merch sales, so they're the only company. Just to clarify, just so everybody knows here. Um, it used to be retail stocks all gave same store sales. Every month they give their mm-hmm. monthly sales. Monthly sales. They've all scrapped that except Costco. <laughs> Costco is the only one that continues to do it. So every month we get the the, the previous month's sales. March sales were light. I'll, I'll let you do the numbers here, Mitch.
1: Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, Costco Wholesales report reported March sales res, uh, results of 21.71 billion up from 21.61 billion year over year. U.S. comparable sales for March fell 1.5%. And then when you look at e-commerce, excluding energy or gasoline prices, they went down about 11.6% on a year-over-year-out base in the about five-week percentage basis, about negative 6.6%. So definitely taking a hit on this e-commerce news, but this is not the first time that I see Costco take a hit off of this, right? Um, they took a hit on this in November after the kind of the Thanksgiving and the Black Friday. They had lower e-commerce sales, which ended up hitting them, and they came back on that. So uh, I mean, I think what we kind of watch for Costco, and I've talked about this plenty of times, is just watch the monthly chart. It's, this is a this is a, a chart that loves to have huge range on the monthly, usually about
0: let's say what like 60, 60 points. It's a four hundred dollars stock.
1: Yeah, so you. I, I mean, be- so
0: you're going to get big monthly ranges. When I mm-hmm. look at the monthly here, I see that I see like a, a triangle here you know yep. coming down yeah coming down off the that all time high and now you know coming off that uh that uh low from last year um uh, you did get a dip the problem is is you don't have more than like one low in in an area to lean on now you did dip barely dipped under 480 you got the 47950 and i got one little pesky low here at 47850 so the fact that you bounced 6 bucks off that Kind of may, maybe take your five buyers ahead of it. You know, the uh, 480 is also a psychological level. You got a long ways to go to work your way up to the uh, bottom of yesterday's range. I don't think we're going to see that. I don't know if we're going to see that for a while. That's uh, three lows in a row at the 495 area. Uh, maybe they'll stop giving a uh, sales after the, after this kind of whooping, but... Uh, Trading eighty four fifty down twelve sixty three and then the other thing is concerning you're right it's tech and then it's retail and then we also have a uh, a healthcare company warning too uh, Abby Abby provides some guidance would uh, give us those numbers
1: yeah let's go to Abby here Abby sees fiscal year twenty three adjusted EPS at ten dollars uh, and sixty two cents versus in a high end of eleven dollars and two cents versus an estimate of eleven dollars and seven cent estimate uh q1 adjusted eps at two dollars and 31 cents uh, two dollars and 41 cents on the high end versus a two dollars and 55 cent estimate so missing on both of those estimates for their
2: guidance looking forward the walmart guidance was late yesterday too um and yeah. they bought that stock right back so you got to remember the industry that you're in and right now this market is playing defense so i don't think they kill abby here i the guidance wasn't great it is mm-hmm. a it is a lower they did knock it down two or three bucks, but they've already bought the dip in ABBV. So, you know, I'm taking the tell from Walmart, really. The market's still playing defense, lower P, stock, abV drug yeah. stock. It's the kind of stock. And I had this in my long-term portfolio forever. It just went up too far, and I finally did get rid of it. But um, I think this, you know, it's. I think this is the kind of stock that they're just not going to whip. I think this is one that could bounce back. Even even on disappointing guys,
0: you know what? There's a good level on the upside here. We talk about stocks going up on supposed bad news. If you're an avi trader, you've got to take a look at the double top at one sixty one seventy. Boom, you're only a buck away here. So if somehow you get up to that area, you take it out. Things are pretty wide open uh, on the upside. I see almost 350,000 shares traded, Dennis. I don't know where the majority of that volume Did that volume take place this morning. Yeah, I guess so. And at one bar, you dip to one fifty eight forty three, but you're right back. No, in you got
2: again. So was so Yeah, and and okay. what you see. What so this screws people up. And I'll just give the little market structure lesson: is always tail of the tape. So when you're reading the tape, and you're looking, oh, it's trade three hundred forty six thousand shares. It's trade a lot. Go and look at the actual tape. Bring up the consolidated tape. If you're if you're a data provider. Okay, if you're a retail trader, you're a long-term investor, you don't need to worry about little stuff, little minutiae like this. But if you're trying to be a full-time day trader and you don't have the tape, good luck. I mean, good luck. You've got to be able to buy some stuff. And again, this is a business. I spend a lot of money on data every single month to make myself pay the bills. When you're running a business and you're running a trading business, you've got to be willing to spend money to make money. If you're willing to spend nothing and you're looking for all your news from Twitter, which is a complete mess which i was tweeting about yesterday because the spam on there is just you know and you're like i i don't spend anything i expect to make money here and i don't pay commissions i mean good luck and i'm i think you're set up for failure if you're not willing to spend to make so you've got to have the data and there is you know a lot of your, your quote providers that give you the consolidated tape but you got to be able to look at look at the market center where things are trading if you look at 808 one sixty eighty. We had two trades um, of one hundred seventy-one thousand eight hundred ninety-nine shares and one hundred seventy-one thousand eight hundred ninety-seven shares on FINRA. Again, the FINRA tape doesn't give you clarity. They need to add more clarity because anything done off exchange is just put to FINRA. That's literally forty-five percent of the market is just blasted to FINRA. We don't know if that was, you know, a liquid net cross. We don't know if that's, you know, another. But we do know what's done at the close. When they're done at the close, they're typically late reports from, you know, institutional crosses at the close from the previous day. So what that means, it means nothing to this market here right now. So if you're looking, oh, look at the spike up at 808, that did not occur. That was probably a late report to the tape from yesterday at the close. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have negotiated trades saying, okay, I'll buy, you sell, we're doing it at the close. And I was going to ask you what the actual what right market
0: here. was. In, yeah, you know, because I saw that and I know this doesn't and, trade. And you, you see our trade station yeah.
2: here, where you see the spike up to 160.80 and that is not correct. So, and and we could talk to TradeStation about this too, they should remove, your data providers should remove those FINRA trades and that happen after hours. They should not be there because they're not in the real market. So again, during the day, FINRA is trading between the quotes, it's off exchange market makers trading between the quotes. But for Mm -hmm. the most part, when you've seen these after hour FINRA trades, and again, little ones could be off exchange market makers trading in between the quotes and those are happening real time. Sometimes it's just late reports though. So this is probably a late report from the close. It did not trade back up there. It's been offered one fifty nine all, okay. all night. Oh really? So okay. It's offered okay. at one fifty nine fifty right now. So it is not currently trading at one sixty eighty.
0: Okay then uh well then we really won't see uh that 16163. 160, so it's offered at yesterday's low. So no, it, it, Yeah, yep, it's offered at yep.
2: yesterday's low. That's correct. Okay.
0: And then the next ooh you got an interesting area here if the if the uh, seller gets more aggressive here. I look at 157 short term here there is uh three lows in that area, your 2 3 and 4 day lows. i was thinking wow they're wow, scratch on a, that kind of guidance. But we got the true market offered. Thanks, Triple D. Offered at $159. we will see what happens at 157 a half on the downside.
1: Uh, all right, DK. Uh, that's an interesting conversation. I'm actually looking into these kind of services like BookMap. I'll, I'll talk to Dennis about it. Maybe you can take a look at it and we'll dive a little
2: deeper for you so
1: nice question, again I can't we just don't have the answer right now all the individual services exactly. i don't you, subscribe to yeah. a
2: thousand different quote providers i can just comment on the exactly. ones i subscribe to i try different ones until i find the ones that work i'm with refinitive i get most of my data free refinitive um interactive brokers gives you this, some of the data too but i've got neovest and i've got refinitive i've been customers of neovest and refinitive refinitive has come a long ways refinitive was ready plus and then, you know, it was a spinoff from Goldman Sachs way back, you know, when we got taken over. And it started with, what was the Spear Leads and Kellogg, Joel? Yeah. Ready yeah. Plus was originally yep. a Spear Leads and Kellogg That's, product yeah. back in the 90s. Oh, wow. And then Goldman bought SLK, and then Ready became part of, of of Goldman Sachs. And we've been with them the whole time. And then, you know, and then obviously Refinitiv, you know, as this was Thompson's Reuters, and then Refinitiv. So Refinitiv owns Ready Plus now. I've been with a Ready customer here for 24 years. Um it, it costs money. Don't it's a professional Tools. software. You gotta pay you I pay, pay, some, to I pay play, some bucks man.
1: for that. You gotta pay to play, man. That's what I would say. Pay to play. Yeah. Um I drop take roughly a
2: look. just just to let you guys know, I drop roughly I think it's around twenty five hundred bucks a month in data and news feeds. Twenty five hundred bucks a month between data, news feed, feeds, and scanners. So those are the yeah. three things that I'm buying. Um so I have to make twenty five hundred dollars just to break even, obviously. But you know what? That's how I get all my information. It's how I'm quicker than the than the average bear. I pay. You got to pay to play. Average bear. Yeah.
1: Let's take a look or at average. the You're XLV. The bear, XLV is what just I want to look
3: at.
0: what do we got going on here in the S and P's? Do we do we have anything? Yeah.
3: Well, yeah. well, we got 8:30 so
1: numbers coming up, and so yeah, what's the 8:30 number today? Uh, we get jobless, jobless claims, claims. Yeah. So jobless I got to go claims, wide on that too. Continuing jobless yes. claims. Guys keep making me go wide And now. don't forget Bullard at 10 a.m. Eastern today. Wally Bullard. Bully Bullard. Wally Bullard.
2: Bullard. Bullard. He's
1: going to be out there. Be careful, Watch it now. Watch team. it now. Watch it. Watch it. But XLV is one that I'm looking at for pullbacks now. It already is a little too extended for me. But definitely I'm trying to play some of this healthcare move. been looking at these drug manufacturers. They've been starting to get going. What do you see on this chart,
0: Joel? What, what would you be what looking do I
1: see? for pullbacks or oh, opportunities? Man. I
0: mean, it's been straight up. Uh yeah. one twenty-four. I mean, looks like you got room to to one thirty-four here. I mean, sometimes you just have to plug your nose and buy something instead of waiting yeah. for a pullback here. I see the see the the room up to one thirty-four, but as far as you know, I just see three three big candles. So. Don't see a pullback on the horizon right now. Of course, things can get shaken up tomorrow, right? With the mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the jobs number, but it's just you know, we talk about you know rotation and you know, those stocks are out of favor for a long time. And right, look at that, uh, Pfizer built the uh, the base at forty. Um, you know, I mean, I Look at the big components of the XLV and see which one hasn't leaned. Uh left the station yet perhaps
1: yeah there's a lot that just took off i yeah. i know pfizer took off yesterday um and another merck's bigger, been
0: strong Merck, merck's strong lily
1: up. amgen is one that i've been looking at but that's more biotech than the, the major drug manufacturers oil, but that's oil, really got going too um so i'm looking at that one that one looked interesting because i was like man if we could get back there to 290, that's a that's a nice move if it could get back there uh, but yeah, definitely am Gem strong in the last couple of days, and we'll see what happens to these kind of healthcare names. IBB could be another thing that's kind of lagging a little bit, not as strong as, of course, uh, the XLV. So that's kind of one that I'm keeping an eye on
0: at least. Got as- a good level here in uh, the IBB, uh, three highs right there. Boom, 130. Get that 130 seller out of there. I got some. Uh,
2: Again, that's drug stocks, to- biotechnologies, drug stocks playing defense. right. So it's not surprising. There's certain things that, you know, have positive correlations and negative correlations. We know when times get tough, they start buying gold, they start buying bonds, TLT, safety trade, not Mm -hmm. corporates, but government bonds, and they start buying drugs. And that's really what they've been doing the last few days. They're starting to lean that way. Schwab keeps going down. They're like, we're a little bit nervous. Let's move into the TLT. Let's move into some gold and let's move into some drugs. I mean, that's what the market does when it starts to get nervous. Until you see Schwab start to turn around, and this is now the boogeyman in the room. It's SCHW. We'll keep coming back to it. I it's, know, it's hard it's, not precari- to. precariously near the lows. So, I mean, you know, you wanted to see it bounce out of there. Kramer was saying it was good at 55, 56, you know, hoping you know, it was going to bounce out. It's went straight down since even Kramer couldn't help the stock. I mean, I don't know what's going on at Schwab, but all I know is, when a stock's going down like this, it's usually not for no reason.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, it's, what I usually say is when it's going down like this, and I don't have an answer. It's they know something I don't. Yeah, I don't want to find out because it the price action's telling me it's not a good thing that they know. And, and I mean, um,
2: Mitch, um, and not that we're comparing this to the financial crisis. I just yeah. you know went through that. You know, I'm just saying during the financial crisis. And I had this conversation and not, we're not there. We're not near. And we have the bull scouts. This isn't going to be like the financial crisis. So I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, uh, but what I'm saying is, you know, you can use, you know, information and tells from when that was happening. Stocks just don't, you know, you know. in the case of Signature Bank, I guess they did go straight to zero from like 100 yeah. to zero. <laughs> they typically don't do that. But <laughs> what happened was you had, Bear Stearns was the boogeyman that really started the financial crisis. It was started with Bear Stearns. Mm-hmm. Like it started with bad lending. It started with other things. But when you're looking at the stocks themselves, Bear was the first one really taking the hit. I can remember when Bear went from like 80 to 60 in like a week. And you're looking, we're looking at it and we're like, what the hell is going on at Bear Stearns? You know, and then it was like, and it, can, and it was hung out there for a bit, but then it started leaking again and leaking again. And then we were down to like 30 bucks. And then we're like, man, there's problems. And then Lehman started to fall and then they all started to fall. Schwab is probably bigger than Bear Stearns was back in the day. I don't know that for certain. I didn't go look at the assets and compare them, but Schwab is huge. Schwab is not Signature Bank. Schwab is not SIVB. If Schwab's got problems, the market's going to have problems. I don't know if Schwab has problems. I have no idea if Schwab has problems, but I don't like the trading action in Schwab. And that keeps me... That keeps me in the bear camp. It keeps me in the cautious camp. And I'm not short stocks. So I'm not full on. If I was bearish, and people keep saying, oh, Dennis is really bearish. Dennis is not short stocks. I go short stocks when I am bearish. I am just cautious. And that's why I've raised cash. There's a big difference between being bearish and being cautious. And I've been preaching caution on this show. For basically a year and a half, but I've been preaching a lot of caution over the course of the last few weeks. When I'm bearish, I short stocks. When I'm bearish, really bearish, I buy puts. I've done none of that. I've been trading market neutral. I still own stocks. You know, I'm still 35% long. So even though I'm 65% cash, that means I'm still 35% long. So I'm not full on bearish. I don't think the market collapse is coming, but I don't know that it's not. And that's why I want to have some cash just in case. You know times get tougher. I just don't see a reason to be all in in this market. So write that down. Cautious is not bearish because you'll have people say this all the time. As soon as they say something that's cautious, oh, I don't like the action of Schwab. I don't like. It. He's bearish. He's an evil short. You know he's this or he's that. So it's a big difference between being cautious and bearish because everybody says how bearish I am. It's cautious. There, that's in a- what I've been for a long time. And I also hey, Dennis, feel like- uh,
0: two minutes to the number here, or a minute one and a half live. to the number. Someone was asking if jobs number comes out the first Friday of every month. Every month. And what we have Good Friday, right? So the markets are closed. Futures, I believe, are going to be open for a, a limited amount of time. So uh that's what, I mean, with all the, uh, the layoffs and everything, it really has to start showing up sometime. I mean, you would think in the jobs number. So will the bad news be good news in the rally of the market? Or will bad news be bad news saying this is more indication that we're going into a recession so uh we were green we're now in the red by it just a couple handles uh yeah not quite mid-range yet uh man I don't know if you' can gonna have an in- it kind of feels like an inside day but we'll see what happens if uh with the shake up on these numbers yesterday's low was down under 4100 there was nothing there for you just the um the uh the psychological 4100. Right on the upside, 2350. That wasn't even uh, the intraday high from yesterday. That was right near uh, Tuesday's close. That comes in at uh, Tuesday's close is 29 even. We're kind of in the middle here. Mitch, do you have a preview?
1: All right, let's give it here. Initial jobless claims consensus is 200,000. Prior was 198,000. So let's see if we're above that 200 or below the 198. I would love to see below. Uh, That 198, because that might squeeze us up a little bit. But continuous jobless claims also going to be on watch. Hmm. 1.699 million. Let's see what happens here. Jobless claims coming
2: in, team. Very choppy. Um, Small movement, though. I mean, we're talking two or three points. You know, it's one thing is,
1: um, just to kind of state, like, are they going to jump on this number since we're not going to be able to trade tomorrow's number, really? (laughs) I mean... That's what I uh, was thinking. I, I don't Initial know. I think claims come. Sometimes,
0: sometimes they're different. You it know, came in hot
1: here, 228,000 versus 200,000. So that's a good look, at least to starting to see the actual uh, labor market weakening. And we could start saying that because now we've gotten, I think two numbers that can agree <laughs> to that. Right. We got ADP that came in low. Uh, on jobs added now you get the initial jobless claims two hundred and twenty-eight thousand versus two hundred thousand. this starts to show that the labor market is starting to show a, a hint of weakness All right, they're here. hitting
0: it now now they've they, they they decided uh you had a little bit of a pop here uh pre-market low comes in at oh five and a quarter so uh more uh the bears are getting their way here after uh what um A couple days, couple up days in a row, now a couple down days. Uh, Markets trying to find a a bid here. As I mentioned, 0.5 and a quarter is your pre-market low. And then yesterday's low is at uh, 4.099 trying to see how the stocks are reacting Tech is very
2: much weighing on this market right now Tech, and yes we can we can easily see you know when mm-hmm. i look at my screen i've got all the pockets i see utility stocks are trading up the banks are actually holding up today some of them are green some of the oil stocks are green still from yesterday your drug stocks are trading higher xlv is trading higher here as well but then the boogeyman that uh, is really down. Yep. It's the same things that was down yesterday. Tesla's down 1.25%. Apple's down 0.84%. Netflix down 1.2%. I mean, we're, a, we're on a flat market, but you can clearly see the tech is lagging here today. All your growthy tech stuff um, is, is down here as well. And then we already talked about the network stocks with the Sienna. Um, being down off of the momentum warning, or- so you can clearly see the tech is lagging here. And
0: tech is what what got us back up here too. So you, you yeah. know. Tech leads but, yeah.
2: those those eight stocks, you know, and we can continue, you know, to have people on Twitter say that those eight stocks, you know, still there's 492 other stocks, but those eight stocks have a lot of weight. Those eight stocks are the reason that the S and P looks much different than the IWM. I mean, there's a, there's a big difference there. I mean, the IWM is sitting down here near the lows, the SPY is near the highs. So we can say, oh, it wasn't those eight stocks, it was another hundred and fifty higher or two hundred higher. Yeah, but there was two hundred and fifty lower. So I mean, just you know, you would see, I think on average, there wouldn't be half the index lower in the first quarter when that when the index went up six or seven percent in the first quarter. So and, we know it's those stocks that are holding it up. And From uh mathematical. It is it, just
0: math. Just it is. And uh just to uh illustrate my point here. I want to share my screen Is I'm going to go this real quick. And then <clears throat> I know I'm sharing that, but let me go to this. This is a really important thing. I'd just like to point out, look at these stocks. Look at the, the tech-heavy Apple, 7%. Right there, there's over 13%. Can you blow that day up, day. Mitch?
2: It's like my eyes are – got to lean closer and closer. I'm uh, I'll neck make it props, a little so bit bigger, but so close.
1: maybe, Joel, if you could do the top right on the three dots and then just zoom in.
0: Um, Top Right. Zoom
1: in right there. You see you should see zoom right there. Let um, me put it bigger
2: so I can just
1: kind of see it out here. Yeah, you see Zoom. Oh,
2: yeah, right yeah, there? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Just hit the plus. Oh, oh, there we go. There we go. Plus
2: plus plus. Oh, okay, that's too much. Down. Now oh. we can see it. That's all right. Just scroll down. You're good. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. There you go. Right there, man. I, I got you, man. Come on.
0: Dennis, we've been talking about this, the these components and uh the and also you gotta throw that. You know, I always I, I count a double. I don't even think A and C. I just look at alphabet. I mean, you know, you add them up. You know, oh, yeah. One, I have the two googles. Yeah. yeah that, that's ridiculous. Google number three. ExxonMobil used to be number one. GE used, boy, I wonder where GE is. Well they they split the, the two companies, but I wonder if you put those in old oh, GE and then you can just go uh farther on, you know, go down the next components. You, you know, they change the ones at the bottom. JP Morgan's been falling. Uh, Meta used to be up there quite a bit higher. That used to be, but uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys because we talk about it so much, and just wanted to uh illustrate the point. So, yeah. that's So, Apple, at.
2: if you can bring that back up there, we didn't have a chance. Apple was seven percent. I, I it, you went you brought uh, it down so fast that I couldn't see what the number was.
0: Um. Okay. Apple
2: and Microsoft are basically what thirteen percent of the S and P.
0: You got it. All right, let me do my two stocks.
2: Thirteen percent of the S and P. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, let me do the uh let me do the zoom again here. Mm-hmm. Oh, the mm-hmm. zoom is on. Yeah, right there. 13 and then <clears throat> you know, 30 you could just do the math. 13, 17, uh 19, uh 20, and then 22, Tesla right there, 23, 24, right right up to Six 25. companies 24. The yeah, yep.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's why the index is not indicative of what's really happening in the overall market. You know, to the chat's point. Look what happened to deer yesterday, Joel and right. we've been absolutely correct on this you know haters can hate all they want i've been right on this one D-E, well
1: well on? it took a long time there dennis i, I gotta give it to you. you you are right eventually on i this was one, i but... was right
2: on this the whole time because i went bearish of 440. So I actually took almost no feed on this. Call. You were you were bearish a little earlier than four forty. I I don't know if it was too much earlier than that, man. I gotta keep you to it when I can, man. I don't know. If you're one... saying I had a bad call on deer. I don't think you're listening to this show because I've been on the deer train. I'm for not a gonna long say time. you had a bad and call. Again, on it. you were just. Early. I wish. I wish I could have perfect timing. I wish <laughs> I could be 100 right <laughs> the whole time. But you know what usually happens is at least from my history. And probably my earnings show it is I'm usually early, but often I'm right. Not always, not always. I'm going to be wrong, but often I'm right. I feel like deer and cat. I feel like deer and cat and people can go look at the evidence. I feel like I've been pretty right on these two stocks.
1: Hey, hey, it just, I'll tell you one thing. It's been a nasty, nasty turnaround in that deer stock. Definitely coming back here. Towards eventually, that
2: it was going to happen. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I mean, had, we had subsidized earnings on some of these, you know, like some some people buying farming equipment because they were just doing it for the write offs or doing it for different reasons. Good times, you know, we're spending money. Gets tighter. When it starts getting tighter, times aren't as good. You know, commodity prices ripping higher, wheat going higher. You're you're the farmers were in the rich. Of course, they're buying new equipment. But you know what? Times have kind of, that ship has sailed a little bit here now. So they're probably not going to continue to buy at the rates that they were buying. So anyways, bringing it back here, Deer is now 75 points off the high. Remember Kramer talking at 440, um, and he was like, this stock is the one you want to own. And I said it. I tweeted it that day. I was like, this is not the stock for you, and it's down 75 points in there. So I beat Kramer on that one.
1: All right. How about one thing? I see the chat going crazy already announcing. Let's get to our guest's interview today team let's go i see the chat out there they're yelling raggy raggy, raggy." look at that the chat's ready for you how we doing
3: i'm doing good how are you all doing i'm loving the deer conversation Oh, you know
1: it. You know it. There's always a battle somewhere D- in the give market. Give us your
2: thoughts on deer. Give us your th- Give the Roggy <laughs> Hornet. Raggy always has fantastic commentary. Yes. Raggy makes me change my mind sometimes. There's not a lot of guests that come on this show <laughs> and actually make me change my mind. But Raggy gives such good arguments. <laughs> she makes me think sure. I should change my mind for Raggy. So I want to know what Rocky's thoughts on deer. Tell me why I should buy or sell deer.
3: <laughs> so first <laughs> so of all, so interesting. When anyone's talking about a call or a view on a stock. My first thing is, what time frame are we talking about? And sorry about the world's worst worst lighting. Welcome to daylight savings in South sure. Florida. But you know <laughs> what's the time frame, right? So if someone tells me this is my hour outlook, this is my daily time frame, weekly. Yeah. You know, ever since you know, if if I take a look at the chart, March 10, that was it. We broke the 200 exponential. We've had a hard time getting above it, and and frankly. At the end of December, it was already looking wobbly. So I wouldn't have the confidence you had, my friend, to call for the weakness, but I sure wouldn't be a buyer. And I think if we can always look at a chart and say, do so I want to be a buyer or a seller and we can't you know, make it that binary, we're in trouble. So if I can eliminate one side of the conversation, I'm already heading in the right direction. So right. I, I don't disagree with you, not until it gets above that, that 200. The weekly would be a different conversation, though.
2: Let's take this back to the overall market here now because it's been such an interesting, you know, S&P. We've been arguing on this show for a long time that we've got eight soldiers really carrying the majority of the weight. I mean, half the S&P was down in the first quarter. Another 150 companies were up, but it was really those eight soldiers that really carried the S&P. It's why it looks much different than the IWM. It's why, you know, the Q is really ripped because obviously those eight soldiers are more heavily weighted in the QQQ. Can they continue to outperform and carry this market higher. What are your thoughts here? You know, one on obviously mega cap tech and then two, the overall market.
3: If we take, I love, I was listening early on when you all were looking at the different weightings in the indices, in the sectors. And I think that what y'all did was, I know you know this is important and I know that the listeners get it too. We live in a high concentration world period. So when you talk about the eight soldiers, we're talking about heavily weighted stocks, disproportionately heavily weighted stocks. I'm, I'm playing XLE right now, right? So we've got, I don't know, three dozen stocks in XLE, I'm not even sure. But two stocks account for nearly 40 plus percent of wherever it's going, for example. So that's an extreme example of high concentration weighting. We crack open, say, tech. Microsoft and Apple are, what, 25%, nearly 25% of QQQ, right? So you're absolutely right. So when we don't look at how exactly how y'all said it, a small number of stocks have a disproportionate influence over over the broader averages and key sectors like XLK, XLY, XLF, XLV. um, Then we start to forget that most of the stocks out there really don't matter. And now i'm going to say something really controversial that's why i don't use market internals
2: oh boom that's a boom that's a boom because you know I, what most technicians out there do use market internals. so uh, uh that's a very very interesting raggy this
1: is this is why i choose to use on tc they have their own indexes and they're they're equal weighted right and i think that's so important to sometimes just look at the sectors in the industry on an equal weighted basis right because there's too many of times where I all I hear about mention of sectors and industries is the spiders, and and that doesn't necessarily tell us exactly what's going on underneath the hood.
3: The S and P is really interesting in that the top three weighted sectors, XLK, so think Microsoft, Apple, uh, XLF, so now we've got Berkshire and JP. And then XLY, Y, which is Amazon and Tesla. And I'm just naming the top two. And if anyone were to look at the weightings, you'd think, oh, my gosh, that's pretty much the sector. So if you look at S&P, it's a little nazzy. It's a little Dow. It's a really good way to look at the market, right? But when I look at the market, I try to remember, just as you all said, it's not just what's going on in the indices. What's happening in treasuries? We can look at ZB or ZN. You know, what's going on with the dollar? The easiest way I know to do that is just look at the 6 E futures. The euro and the dollar have a nearly tick-for-tick tick negative correlation. And then look at S&P, and I've got a really nice pulse of what's going on.
2: And what we're seeing in the last few days is a little bit of defense. I mean, when I look and look at the pulse of what's going on, I see gold ticking up near the highs. I see stocks like Procter & Gamble coming back. Walmart has a light warning, but they buy that right back because, you know what, Walmart holds up well if you get into tougher times and the TLT and then the drug stocks I mean we're seeing the drug stocks. so I feel like this market is playing a little bit of defense the last couple days
3: if I look at the normalized performance of the last one to five days and I'm looking at it right now top to bottom XLU XLV is definitely getting some nice Q2 sector rotation because Mm -hmm. it's been a dumpster fire for the last three quarters Energy is getting a nice boost because OPEC keeps saying we're going to stay true to the production cuts and compliance has been really good. And then there's XLP. So they, I mean, you're absolutely right. XLU, XLP, one day, five day normalized performance. They're right there near the top three, four sectors. So we're definitely seeing the interest. we the in
0: line with Roggy Horner, managing director of futures at Simpler Trading. Uh, you know, with all that's been going on with the banks, with the Fed, uh, You know, where are interest rates going? Where's the Fed pivot? I mean, if you're looking at the 30-year bond or the TLT, have you got someone playing defense, 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 or they're anticipating, you know, a a pause in the rates here? And I thought, you know, we got hit initially on the Powell comments, and I think you got a Powell joke for us too, don't you?
3: (laughs) I think we were talking about what we wanted to talk about today, Q2 rotation. That to me is exactly what y'all said defensives and and healthcare and then you know what's what's uh Powell's favorite beer you know hold my he is definitely in <laughs> he, he is he's in a vice grip right now because on he one hand yeah. yeah. he's he said a very unusual thing in that last meeting when he and 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 It was very strange to listen to Yellen and Powell share the podium for that presser because, you know, I know they had their little Hall and Oates moment, but we didn't need to hear from Yellen. It was way too confusing. But When Powell kind of left the drop, the mic comment of we're not going to cut rates, that was a very strange corner to paint himself into. Like I said, I don't know what he had a shot of before that press conference, but when Fed Fund Futures heard that, now we see that if I look at the May 3 meeting, it's looking more like a hold, sixty percent. We got to the June meeting; it's still looking like a hold at fifty-seven percent. But in June, we have about a thirty-three percent expectation for that quarter-point hike. So that quarter-point hike conversation is not going away. But come July, we're definitely we're definitely now seeing the quarter-point cut in the lead, not by a lot, but sitting at forty-seven mm. percent.
0: Wow. Going out to July, huh? So the market is uh, is looking forward. I mean, I, I that news conference too when I when I saw him speaking and uh, you know uh, just his composure and everything. He was firm, and then Yellen was making those uh, those statements uh, <laughs> at the exact same time. Uh, very very confusing. But the inflation front, I mean, you look at some of the commodities. I mean, this this crude oil move is not going to help things out. I don't think we'll uh reflected in the uh in the uh cpi for that's coming up and next week i believe but man you got to look at sugar you look at some of these commodities here and i don't i mean i just don't think i don't think they have knit the, the inflation bug i i don't know july seems like early for me i I'd like to see more of a pause. But, I mean, if that's what they're factoring in, I guess things could always change after that April report. Or really April slight. Report.
3: It's a really slight. I think it's 47% okay. for the for the cut and 38% for the hold. But come September, it's game on. That September 20 meeting, the Fed Fund futures are telling Powell, you better give us a cut or we're going to give you a a tantrum. But you know, it's interesting. What version of inflation are we looking at? Because I'm pretty sure the Fed's looking at the inflation on Mars always have been, but PCE is a bonker's number and that's their pet inflation, you know, that's their their favorite one. And then when we even look at CPI, if we're going to exclude food and energy, on core. Well, now it gets bonkers. We're going to exclude two things that nobody needs, right? <laughs> Who needs like- and energy
2: and shelter? <laughs> yeah, that's it.
3: <laughs> so now we get to pick and choose, we meaning these FOMC members and economists, as to which version of inflation we're going to start to make our decisions based on. I mean, it's, it's a wacky, wacky world. So I'll just look at those target rate probabilities and see what seems to be communicated to the Fed, which is you better cut in September.
2: How's Roggy positioning herself right now? That's what I really want to know because I'm I'm a little cautious, more cash than normal. I'm not bearish and people keep saying I'm bearish, but I'm cautious. I've just raised some cash in my long-term account because I just have so many unknowns. The Schwab thing scares the hell out of me when I keep seeing it leak. I went through the financial crisis, not saying this is a financial crisis whatsoever, but I went through it and it wasn't fun from a long-term investing perspective. How's Roggy Horner positioning herself right now?
3: you know, we, I take a look at the financial crisis that we just had. Then I look at 08. And then I look at the first financial crisis I traded through, which was the implosion of long-term capital management, Asian contagion, Russian ruble. Oh, all yeah, those were fun. Concentrate. And that was probably within the first seven years that I was trading. So that was the first, oh my gosh. Uh, and then I saw what seems to be the pattern. Those are buying opportunities. So now I'm programmed to think, That's a blue light special. I'm totally dating myself, but I'm looking in Kmart's, the middle of the store, and that blue light's spinning. And I just wait for uh, volume to start telling me who I can coattail and where. So I I still am very optimistic, which is to say I'm usually very bullish. So if the markets are going to pull back, we now know ever since the pandemic, central banks are going to step in and support. They bought HYG. They bought JNK. I mean, it was crazy what they were willing to do to support the markets it's hard to be a bear. Uh, and I totally appreciate where you're at because the fortunes are made being bears in the market. Isn't it Dennis? You know, I can completely. Appreciate- and again,
2: I'm not bearish. I'm cautious. So there's a right. big difference because when I'm bearish, mm-hmm. I'm short stocks. I short stocks. I've been a trader for 22 years. So, you know, when I'm I- bearish, I short stocks right now. I'm just like, I'm cautious. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the financial, I don't feel like this is the Bear sterns moment when, you know, like we were seeing, you know, I just don't feel like that's this, mm-hmm. but I still feel like I just don't know. And that's why I'm like, I'm getting 5% to paid to wait on a lot of my long-term, still trading, you know, trading is different, but I have a long-term investment portfolio that I'm like, I've just raised cash because I just, I'm not, I'm uncertain at this point in time, but I love your blue light special talk. I have a lot
3: of cash right now. Talk to me about blue light special <laughs> yeah. stocks. What would you be buying today? The simplest thing I'll do is two things. This is where you mentioned love trading, but then I'll look at a weekly chart. As a trader, I'm shortening my time horizon to one to three days. I don't mind overnight exposure, but not for very long. Day trading has been great. I'll day trade the first hour of the day, and I'm done with it. The simplest thing that I can say is I'm just looking for stocks at or near the weekly 200. And that just becomes a list that I'm watching. That's that's my wish list. That's my grocery list. And I continue to watch that. Then I'll break down the sectors in the same way. And I'll break down the indices in the same way. But starting with that weekly chart, what's above the 200, what's below. I kind of look at that as the equator, bullish hemisphere, bearish hemisphere, and I'm getting my wish list set up. And then I'll just go place alerts on one of my favorite platforms. And I'll just wait for price to, to come on down. So I'm not having to babysit it, but every you know 7 to 10 days I'll go look at that list again replace my alerts and I'm just waiting for those wish list prices
1: all right well um, I'm gonna come in here and um, we'll shift a little segment here go a little bit to some different stocks I have started to see the utilities started getting a little stronger there um, that's just a different style of play but of course with the interest rates not going higher could we see these stocks kind of continuing push especially with inflation and you know the prices of energy just being so much more I know that a lot of people were like telling me like I know natural gas is still, dirt cheap but it's not dirt cheap when i'm paying it
3: natty gas completely phoned in the seasonal so at the end of march we should have seen that double bottom and a move into early april completely disconnected um you know as far as where i'm still really looking for opportunity xle so if we want exposure to oil and natty xop is a great place to look i'm pretty much focused on xle right now um Definitely want to continue to be um, interested in XLV. If there's anywhere that, you know, you turn the page on Q1, you look at Q2, and you look at, all right, what's on sale? What's coming off some nice uh, neutral markets, but down near the lows. XLV on the weekly has been gorgeous. Been building positions in XLE, XLV. XLB, uh, basic materials has had my interest as well. I'm looking to build positions in XLB. Uh, And so if we're looking for the shoe to drop, we're probably three years out. I'm, I'm looking more as how can I get into ITB? How can I get into XHB? Even though mortgage rates did what they did with Powell's um, words, if we're looking at cuts come September, if I'm already looking at lower yields on the long bond, I'm looking at XHB, I'm looking at ITB and looking at my chops for the next two to three years.
0: How about that XHB? I mean, it's been holding up a rising interest rate environment, and uh, some of these stocks have just been showing some trades. It's, it's such a mixed bag out there, right? You know, you see a lot of um, a lot of sectors, a lot of rotation. You would think if the, if things were really going to get bad out there, you know, you think it would have an impact on on the whole builders. Now they have pulled back uh, a little bit, but just overall, I mean, this thing I'm looking at it, the, well, it's off the, off the February higher, but um, is there any housing stocks that are on your, your, your list?
3: At individual state, stocks? I, I love to go broad. I like to cast a wide net nat- okay. and pick those individual Stocks, So that's why I I love the ETF. So if I look at last June was tough for XHB, I think October was tough for XHB. But if I look at that weekly 200, we're above it. And despite what happened with rates, you're right. But it's been maintaining. And I see something like that with possible rate cuts in September. It's hard for me not to be bullish there. So I'll just Uh, cast that wide net. I won't worry (laughs) about individual stocks within it.
1: Love it, love it. You guys definitely keep up with everything Roggy Horner does. We'll see you again. And definitely, if you guys don't have her Twitter, give her a follow. I'll make sure to drop it in here in the chat so you guys can give the follow. We'll see you next time. Have Thank you. One. All right, let's take a little peek into the market, Joel, yeah. before we get to our Trade Zero segment today. What are you seeing?
0: We're, it's a slow and steady leak here. Uh, haven't gotten yet to the, uh, the pre-market low of 0.5 and a quarter. We have yesterday's low at uh, 99. So... It's a very tight range. Yesterday, the intraday range from yesterday was, uh, I believe, just uh, a little over twenty some handles or thirty, just under thirty handles. Very strange. I mean, there is there's a pause here, right? We've had the rally, we've had just a little pullback from the high. Nothing where you see, you know, super aggressive buyers, and you got it. It could be a big day I, today, and then the jobs numbers. So. We're hanging in there. We're still, I believe, uh, how are we doing for the week here? Uh, and We're down just a tad a little bit from the week because we had that big day on Friday. But we're working on our third down day in a row after uh, after four up days in a row. So a little bit of a streaky market here. Down six and a half handles, 41, 10, 50. Dennis, you're seeing tech. Uh, what's going on with old Fastly? Is that still getting a whoop or did it get a bounce here? Uh, no, not Fastly. Um, L-I-T-E. How's that doing? now? Uh, under 44 now. Step down sellers here. You may get a look at that $40 level today.
2: So, I'm just fighting in the chat, so I'm coming back to you now. I'm scrapping it out. I'm in a scrappy mood here today, so... I don't know about fast we already talked fast I want to talk some other stocks here because there's only five minutes left and I think we should do our trade zero segment here because it's going to lead me into some of these other stocks that I want to talk about which are obviously some of the movers here today
1: let's do it trade zero time all right let's get it started and of course what's at the top of course, uh, AMC is at the top there. Oh, there's AMC. a story here too. <laughs> Easy story here to hit. Let's go to that one. Yeah. Uh, it looks like at AMC was jumping and Ape stumbling as the court rules against the conversion settlement. And now it really creates kind of an indecision moment for investors here. What do you think, Dennis?
2: Um, so – And again, I don't follow the story very closely, but apparently there was a settlement, and now they're doubting the settlement, or the judges blocked the settlement. It's what they're saying on Twitter. I have not verified any of this information, but it makes sense with, you know, what the stock is doing. So basically, APE wants to, you know, what AMC wants to do is convert the APE into the AMC. So now the settlement is not getting blocked. AMC is popping because obviously it's not good for AMC shareholders if APE gets converted because they are going to see those two prices converge very quickly. So APE is trading down 11%. AMC is trading up 13% on this. Again, this is a tough arb to trade because the AMC borrow is simply too high. If there was no borrowing costs here, I think I would be long APE and short AMC. But there is borrowing costs here, so I'm just not touching it. For the simple reason is that, because I think eventually they do get this done, but I don't know for certain if it gets done. Nobody knows. But uh, again, the borrow costs on AMC just keep me out of the trade. Last time we looked, it was 375% a year, which is basically 1% a day. So, I mean, if you're sitting out there trying to pick yourself up, and you can pick yourself up some money by being shorted, but I mean, if you short this thing for 50 days... <laughs> you got to make 50 percent <laughs> so that's a tough thing to do so i just stay out of this but as this headline you know broke here last night or at least was being passed around on twitter amc started a rally and ape, ape started to uh sell off
1: all right let's keep moving let's go i think to... the ape
2: i think the ape could be a buy uh it could be it could be a buying opportunity again though mm-hmm. this conversion isn't allowed if the ape isn't allowed to be converted then that's going to change things dramatically i think eventually they're going to get a push through I think that they might be able to eventually convert this and Ape could be significantly higher. So I kind of like it as a pullback here to buy it, but I don't know if I have the guts to do it.
1: Yeah, it seems to me like a 50-50 trade and I try to stay away from those, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, that's, there's, what, that's, that's true too much. Yeah, that's just what it just seems like. You don't know yeah, if it's going to go or not go. It's, it's an binary,
0: binary,
2: right? yeah i mean
0: what about all this uh you know all this talk about this and the conversion and i mean what about the company what i mean what, what's going on yeah, not looking good. Not, looking good well,
2: mean, not looking good we didn't say anything bad about it though joel because if you say anything i'm not saying about anything AMC, bad i'm just saying come and attack you so okay. i remember I... we made the rule a year and a half ago when i had people <laughs> trying to you know find me and kill me uh for saying something you know that was taken out of context in a reuters article um that you cannot say anything bad about amc so we've just you know say you know it's our thoughts you know i did say all the way along when it's 50 i said eventually it's going to five is what i thought that was my price target and they eventually did make there so again i was early but i think i was right on that one too i'm
1: with you joel the writing's on the
2: wall that's what i'll say the writing yeah, the rating the is wall. not good but we still love the apes the apes you know we love you apes. you love them dennis we love I you
0: <laughs> i'm not worried about
1: it you guys know where to find me at money mitch bz hit me up i'll see you a little later uh leslie pool supplies here getting an upgrade let's take a look here loop capital upgrading leslie to a buy announcing a 16 dollars price target it's up towards 11 right now just butting up against this 11 what do you see on this chart uh, Joel, anything that you I'd see here? Cool
0: is, uh, Ooh, this 11 big, 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 big. I don't know this firm and how much weight they carry. Uh, but this no. 11, this thing has been, uh, this is uh been underwater for quite a while here, but, uh, 11 bucks. I mean, you're up 56 cents. That's a big move. You just want to see this open up, get over 11, I'd even 11, 16, and then you got a little bit more room on the upside 1150 maybe not the greatest market day but uh i don't know people are looking for something to buy that's uh that's uh, beat up this is one of them the seek it hold 11 yeah. and how's pool doing uh that's been uh, got hit too
2: Remember the when everyone everyone was trade is over you know, the lockdown trade yep. where everybody was dumping all yeah. their money into their homes because we were never going to go out and do anything again is over. So that bubble, which is still there a little bit in pool, it started bubbling from 200, pun kind of intended, 323. So you're still 123 points up from where it started running on the COVID thing. I've seen full, um, you know, a lot of these stocks that have these big COVID pops come all the way back to where they were prior to COVID. So I'd be concerned that this could do the same. But, you know, again... You know there's valuation to consider i don't look at these companies close enough to analyze it that far but just looking at this just thinking you know outside the box is it hasn't had full circle here yet so i'd be cautious on pool and leslie okay i'll
0: let you guys finish up and be back with you later on
1: all right i do see one that's interesting here uh seeing up car car up today Hmm uh one oh, trade C- off exchange C-A-R-R. there you yeah. go that's what it was i was i was wondering let's, if for a second there if it was avis budget i was gonna be su- surprised there let, but, let's, go the
2: let's, down, let's go to the down let's go the down let's
1: go see let's see on the downside action so
2: i got about three minutes for everyone you. all
1: right let's run through that costco, course, costco like you can church, see that yeah that's yeah we talked it already
2: Light we talked about we talked this one CN. we covered pretty good Santa, yeah. we got costco super computers smci super taking a hit i haven't looked at that one in a while what's up smci that's for real that is down six bucks here sometimes you know it's an odd print but no that's for yeah, real no, so what's the headline here hmm, let me SMCI. see if i let
1: me see if i got something on the benzinga pro here Let's going and look
2: here he looks like we got, got a
1: webbush downgrade here webbush downgrade of super computers to underperform and announcing a 65 dollar price oh target Woo, 65 so, uh, bucks. That's
2: a big rating. Who's the yeah. most on that one? Webbush. No, do we know who, though? Um, know let me White
1: see. Yeah, I, I have to look into it here. Um, let me see. I go just got to go in the calendar. I threw you. Yeah, second. if we go
2: into the calendar. Here, I'm looking, too. I'm trying to beat you, too. Underperforming. You go in the Benzinga. We're Matt, Matt. Matt, Matt Bryson. Matt.
3: Matt
1: Bryson. What a Matt, call. Matt.
2: Matt's making a bold call. I like this call for the simple reason. It's outside the box. It's a contrarian call. He's, you know, like trying to stand out here. And I mean, you know, be bold, make bold calls. You know, instead of just being a lemming going with it, it's a contrarian call going with it. I always respect analysts that come and make contrarian calls. So not enough to do it. Um, From our rating, he
1: has a 72% success rate.
2: Oh, that's pretty good too. So it, it when you're looking at ratings, when you see that sell word, they usually hit the stock hard and ask questions later. We saw that yesterday with ONON. I mean he got the sell rating. Wasn't it downgrade to sell yesterday or downgrade to neutral? I think it was downgrade to sell. ONON Which one? yesterday.
1: ONON. I think it was a sell.
2: Yeah. So we get that sell rating. They really hit stocks a lot harder than you can think. So obviously, yesterday was Bank of America, I believe, on putting their sell on in a price target of $19 or something on ONON. And it got hit and it did take out the 30 support. Does it get back up there? I don't think the story's over here yet in ONON. But it's going to cool off. Maybe you think about like the 50% retracement from like 20 was really, you know, the bottom, you know, just going back two and a half weeks ago to 33, Get you know, that 26 area or even, you know, not to fill the gap, the gap up, maybe just get down. I don't know if it's going to go that low, 25, 50. I think I'd be a buyer on this somewhere on the pullback here. I don't think the story is over. I think it's just cooling off. Big difference. Sometimes the story you feel like is over and it's time to get out of the stocks. And other times it's just like, oh, it's going to go to a cooling period. So, mm-hmm. I think this is a cooling period for ONON. I still kind of like the company. Big,
1: big day for stocks like this. I feel like snow. Um, the growth stocks, we talked Informer. about it, how Kathy Wood rejected that 40 move. We'll look to see if the growth stocks can get a move again, right? Or will we start seeing those names sell off? We were starting to see them move. Like one of the ones that I was looking at, and I'm glad I sold it on the first move was Unity on that 10% up day. It's right back to it. And so that's yeah. where we got to be careful today. We, that could flush right through. And so we'll see if this can come back. Some of these growth names, like the ARKK names. The but... biggest
2: problem is with the growth names is you don't have mm-hmm. like valuation support. And you know, what does that yeah. mean? It means at a certain point, like when you're buying like a Johnson & Johnson, there's just value there where there's value investors that will come in and save the day. And it stops certain stocks from just going lower once the valuations get to a certain level on all these growthy names that aren't making money, you don't have that. So when the momentum breaks, they can get really ugly, really fast. And when the momentum traders are out, the value guys don't touch that stuff. So you don't have any support. So you just don't have buyers. And that's where you get these flushes, like six, seven, 10% in a day. And you're like, holy cow, why is nobody coming in? Well, the momentum guys are saying, no, it's lost its momentum. I'm out and the value guys are saying, I'm not touching that, I'm not touching that at all. So I mean, that's why, you know, from a long-term perspective, I try to pick on more value approach, I feel like, you know, I, I don't feel like a Pfizer is going to lose, mm-hmm. you know, unless it has a lawsuit or something against it, you know, and again, I've been wrong with the Pfizer too, way or, too early, way wrong on that one. Um, but I feel like, you know, when you're picking on these, Merck was one of my best long-term holdings. AbbVie was one of my best long-term holdings. Abbott Labs, one of my best long-term holdings. You know, I was buying these at reasonable valuations years ago in troughs, and you know, it was 2011, 2012, in the European financial crisis, cause the Europe did have the financial crisis kind of after us when the European banks were all having trouble, um, that I was able to pick some of these up, at really low valuations, picking up at six, seven, eight times earnings. Eli Lilly as well. My original purchase on Eli Lilly, I think was $31. It's 362, I don't, was it 31? Let's go, can you go back to like 2009, 2010 on Lilly? Mm. I'm just curious. Because we, we talk short term so much. Um, I don't know how far you can go back. We're going to put trade zero yeah. to the test here. How far can they go back? Oh, they go back a long ways. 2018, there. But I'm sure we can pull it I mean, back there's a ways to further. go further back here, too. Anyways, yeah. we're at the trade zero segment. But just my point being is that by, if you're a long term investor, buy good companies at reasonable valuations. I agree with when, that. When you don't have, on a Unity, I don't have any valuation to lean on. The company doesn't make money. And if they tick positive for a quarter, that's not, you know, sometimes, you know, that's not like a a history of, you know, good companies at reasonable valuations. I mean, you know, a Google and Microsoft and Apple, these companies are going to be there. Even if you're paying elevated valuations, 23, 24 times earnings, the odds are they're not getting cut in half from there. Is Apple going back down to 12 times earnings? Probably not. I mean, it could, but probably not. So that's why my approach with my long-term investing, which is probably, you know, why my beta on my long-term investment portfolio is a lot less is I'm, I take a more conservative approach to it. Because that's the money that I've made, it worked hard for trading, and then I turn around you know, and obviously invest that money. Why well, don't all my investments to have all this risk? I am you know, I'm. A, I take enough risk in the markets on a daily basis that I don't need to go in and take huge risks in my long-term portfolio. I do at times. you know, I do throw in some other things, but I give those a short leash. If I throw something in the longer-term portfolio I like to set up, shorter leash, if it's you know, uh, one of those higher beta names.
1: We'll see what happens to these uh, healthcare names today, and will tech continue the turnaround? And, like always, you guys can check out, of course, Trade Zero if you guys are looking, especially for some short locates out there. Definitely, Trade Zero has an extensive inventory of short locates just through the link, so you guys can get, of course, Trade Zero, uh, Zero Pro, their flagship software. All right, let's wrap up here. Dennis, any last comments for the the weekend actually? Because yeah,
2: I know. Four day weekend. weekend. Obviously, we're gonna get jobs number tomorrow. So we're gonna come mm-hmm. in and the market's probably gonna be up or down significantly when we come back on Monday. So keep that in mind. I'll probably be hedged going into the weekend. Again, cautious in the long-term portfolio. I don't like the Schwab trading action. I don't like that some of the majors. I wish it was just this like FRC. It was just FRC. I'd be like, ah, one, you know, we'd be fine. But when you start seeing some of the major companies and PACW not rallying here now, there's like a lot of regional banks. And the KRE, you don't even have to look at the individual. KRE is sitting on the low. On the low, 42, right on it. 42, right on the low. I mean, you've had this huge rally in the S&P and the KRE hasn't had a sniff. And KRE, I mean, if we start breaking down from here and it looks like that's what it wants to do, doesn't it kind it, of look like that's what it wants it, to do? It,
1: this is this is the what I call stair-step move. And then we're looking for that elevator whoosh down, right? And so we we could be setting up, right? Sideways consolidation going lower. And one thing that you clearly see here is what? Lower highs, lower highs, the trend of that showing up, especially since pretty much Monday, the 27th, you see how the trend is kind of lower highs, lower highs. So it's just leaking, leaking down. And the big part why we haven't had that whoosh is there's no news. But if there is any news to the negative side, I'm with you, Dennis. The charts show that it could just whoosh down, right? And so we got to be careful here. And of course, understand where the risk is. It's probably right down below it. So for you guys that have that type of risky appetite, then yeah, maybe you at least know where your levels are. But that's too much risk for me. And that's why I've stayed away from this trade. That's another reason why I don't think we're seeing too much jumping to the upside, Dennis. Like let's say on even the bigger banks like JPM because yeah. I don't feel like too many traders are really taking their shots and being like, oh, well, JPM is going back to 140 right here. If if that was the truth, then I think you'd see some more volume coming into this trade. And what do you see on the volume? Declining volume. Yeah. So that shows me more and more uncertainty from yeah. a lot of traders out there. Not sure if there's more banking concerns So they're not taking shots there. I think the market's
2: telling us that we're not out of the woods. And that's Mm -hmm. why cautious, not bearish, cautious. I'm I'm, going to keep saying that, you know, because everybody's painting me as this huge bear, but really I'm just cautious right now. Because again, if I was bearish, I'd be short the market. And if I am really get bearish, like I did in 2010, it's very rare that I do buy puts. Somebody was just saying, oh, you said you buy puts. I rarely trade options. I used to be an options trader in 2002, 2003. I trade options back in the day. I trade equities pretty much now. The only time, I write some covered call. I do a little bit of stuff, but it's not my bread and butter. Very seldom trading options. But when I'm buying puts, it means I'm full-on bearish this market. The last time I bought puts was January 2010. And we know how that ended. They all expired worthless because I was too early and then I had to reload in February. <laughs> and then the February ones paid. but And they expired in June. But I remember I was too early on even on the COVID trade. But it's usually, um, you know, when I'm buying puts and stuff, that's when I'm bearish. Right now, I'm just cautious.
1: We'll see what happens. Like always, team, there's uh, two sides of the coin. We'll find out. And I'm always trying to do a couple of new things that I think has really helped me is have a short-term like medium-term and long-term outlook. This helps me at least focus on, yeah, tailwinds and headwinds with that longer term. But in the short term, I can still play certain plays. Like you saw me short Microsoft, right? You saw me short AMD. But I was also playing some of these on the upside action. I think that the important part is being really nimble right now and being able to adjust to that daily action. I think that's what you're doing a lot, Dennis, right now, is just being adjusting and being able to focus on what the price action is telling us versus what our bias is telling us, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, if you think about it, there's a lot of concern in the banking situation. And if technology truly turns around, will we see enough rotation into the other sectors to hold this market up? And that's why we're also talking about the high concentration in tech because that seems what led this rally, right? It wasn't that it was a whole bunch of all the sectors going higher. It was a lot of these high mega cap techs. So we'll see how those turn around today. Will they keep coming down or will they find the bounce? Have a good one, Dennis. You guys keep up with Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader on Twitter. And like always, team, it's never going to be 100% where you guys agree with us. That's one thing that I definitely have gotten a lot better on. And I'm trying my best, like always, to keep things open, right? You guys are sometimes going to see something completely different than how I see it. And the big part, I think, of pre-market prep, and I say this all the time, is to point to flags. Flags meaning what? Just taking a look at something, right? Just telling you guys, hey... This is moving. This is how I see it. You guys always do your own investment research. Like always, this is just for educational purposes only, not financial advice. And I hope that you guys truly get something out of pre-market prep every single day, whether it be from Dennis, myself, or Joel Alcon. We want to continue pushing forward in your financial journey. Now come over to live trading. As always, I'm ready to get after this market. I know we got Zunaid. We got Lord Ryan. I've been killing it lately. Got a really nice swing trade on Microsoft yesterday. Let's see what we can get into today. Find out. Come right over to live trading. That's starting up right after this show. You don't got to go anywhere. And for you guys out there that maybe you just don't want to see a video, you just want to hear audio, I'll tell you one thing. You'll definitely have fun with Ryan, Zunaid, and I. And like always, if you guys want to join the book club, join it. This weekend, we're going to have a little bit of a break. Yes, we're going to have a little bit of a break because of Easter. But I want you guys to continue working on your Japanese candlestick charting techniques. If you guys want to learn some technicals and take your lov- uh, take yourself to the next level, definitely hit this link before you get out of here today. Now, let's go ahead and bring you guys over to that live trading. I'll throw up the book club link and get you guys right over. Don't jinx yourself. Never jinx myself, PJ. I'm ready to get after it. And like always, it's all about just using process approach. That's the way I like to go at it. So if you guys like process approach, you'll definitely like live trading. And that's starting up right now. <music> You're my